Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the National League podcast. Now, I know last week we promised Grant to be back, but unfortunately for this week, you stuck with the better, the better disabled Mancunian version. Um, with me, Aaron, and I'm here with Luke again. So it's going to be a very Northern-based podcast this week again, but I'm sure you're happy for that, right? And this week, we've got no weather interruptions, so we've got a full National League program to run through run through and talk about which I'm certainly happy about because the National League is the best fifth league in the world in my opinion so shall we get started and I think it's only right once again with Grant's absence that we take a trip to the Hartlepool game to start with um so Luke do you want to fire us in with the Hartlepool game yeah, once again, thank you for having me on. Of course, uh, sad to see Grant isn't joining us once again tonight, uh, but no fault of his own for that. Um, of course, yeah, starting things off with the Hartlepool, the York game. And of course, it, it was a big game and there's been a lot of things off the field that we could potentially talk about as well. I don't know if you've seen on social media, um, the police were a bit forceful with, with a few York fans um, after the game. But just purely based on, on the game... Um, it was a big game for both clubs, two clubs that have certainly, I think, both have underperformed this season, particularly York with the amount of money that they've spent. But I think what we have seen in recent weeks from both clubs is sparks of them improving. Um, Hartlepool, for example, under the new manager. Um, and of course, York have certainly become a harder side to beat. But it was Hartlepool who got the better of York in, in this game and managed to defeat York by two goals to one. And I think it just shows... Dieselu, we're back in the side now with Mancini. The players are coming back to Hartlepool now and it's making a difference, especially Dieselu, who scored twice to defeat York on Saturday. What's your take on it, Alan? Yeah, I mean, look, Grant um, Grant has been in my WhatsApp DMs since the game on Saturday, reminding me that Hartlepool, after a terrible start, and now it's only seven points off the playoffs and to be looking over our shoulders. But I think he might be a little bit too... Uh, too early yet, but we we don't know. But I always thought Hartlepool would would pick it up with because some of the you know some of the talent that they've got in the squad with the likes of uh, Mancini and Disarue uh, Disarue when he's fit, like uh, they've got an you know they've got enough sort of quality in the squad to drag them away from that sort of relegation battle. And I think I think that's what we'll hopefully start to see. Now I, I said last week, obviously the appointment of, of um, Phillips. Um, will be uh, probably a risky one, but sometimes you have to take risks to get rewarded. You know, some like there's a lot of like young up and coming co- coaches and managers that are, are, are trading away, like Phillips did with South Shields in the lower league, and they're just ready for that opportunity. So maybe this is the opportunity he needs to showcase his talents, and it looks like it's it's the perfect start. But 
I'll be interested to see whether they can keep it up. In terms of like money, money disarray for me, I've got to be honest. Like I don't know what 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 you think, but that's what I've seen in I've seen him in an Oldham shirt, and I'll be up I'll be honest and I'll be up front. I think personally in his spell at Oldham, he was probably one of the worst Oldham strikers I've ever seen. But as as always, we seem to have a situation where strikers move on from Oldham and go to have decent careers. Now, obviously, I know he's he's been out with a big spell, but to get a brace on your return is quite a feat, right? So, what do you what do you perceive as his importance to that Hartlepool side and getting them where they want to be? And do you think do you think maybe it is too sort of too much of a big ass to get Hartlepool up and around them playoff places now? I don't think it is when they're fully fit, as in the full teams all together, because I think there's enough quality there to certainly be in with a chance in the playoffs. But the, the issue Hartlepool might have is when they're having injuries, it's clearly affecting them, where sides who are in and around the playoffs at the moment are clearly dealing with the odd injury that they're getting. For example, Oldham, a side that have certainly had injury issues, but because of the depth they've got, it's kind of showing why they're still up and around. And I know they didn't have the best of weekends, sorry to remind you of that. Um, but, you know, still in and around the playoffs. You know, you look at Solihull, Ultranham. Ultranham have had a horrendous amount of injuries. Crankshaw has been out for the season. You know, they've had Mooney out. There's so many different players, but they're dealing with it and they're still, you know, sat in fourth in the league. Hartlepool have one player injured and it shows on a match day. Mancini goes out injured. They fall off a cliff. Dee is out injured. They've got nothing going forward. Defensively, if when Dodds got injured, they haven't been the same side and they still aren't, no matter what you say. Defensively, aren't the same side. Um, so for me, that's probably why not. You know, there's four points outside, well, seven points off the playoffs at the moment. Um, and it is still quite a bit of a, quite a large chunk, considering that they'll need to go on a very good run in this second half of the season to be in and around the playoffs. Just what you said on um, Dice Ruway, though, um, of course, I got to see him. Um, for a full season at Halifax. And I get the sentiment of uh, why you might not have thought he were, he were too good at Oldham. You know, he's the type of striker that's very inconsistent. He's very hot and cold. One week he, he can get you a hat-trick. The next week he, he might as well not be playing. But I think what yeah. he does offer is he's, he's a big presence. He's good at holding the ball up. He's also good on the ball, I think, as well, um, at his feet. So he's got a lot of attributes to him. And when he is firing and he is on form, He's probably up there with, I'd go as far as to say, one of the best strikers in this division. And I think it's showing this season so far. And he's certainly having a good impact at Hartlepool when he is playing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And look, he might he might just, he might might just, be one of them players. Obviously, I can't speak too much because it's maybe, you know, four or five seasons since I last seen him in person. But he might be one of them players that if he can push... The injury injuries aside him and get a good run of games, you know, he could start bagging for fun. We'll just have to see. Um, but I think m- moving on from Hartlepool now, and, and I think we've given Grant his flowers there. So I think what we should do is we should talk arguably probably the the result of the result of the round of fixes. Um maybe potentially, I know it's a very early call, but to me, on the eye anyway, before we maybe talk about form. This could be one of the most upset results of the season, in my opinion. In in uh, file beating Bromley. Now, I'd say it could be one of the most the biggest upsets of the season because actually, if you look at the form, if you look at the form of Bromley, yes, the second and yes, they've got they've got a little bit of clearance still, but they they've only they've only won one in the last five games. You know, they they've drawn. They've drawn three, uh, won one and lost one now. So there is, I don't know whether we can call it a slide, but maybe there is a bit of downturn in form coming in. Maybe that this result uh, might not be as surprising as it seems. But from an AFC filed uh, point of view, I think, look, from looking at the stats, they've come there, they've done a job, they've managed to get the goal and kind of just sit on w- what they had frustrate Bromley and cling on to a very, very, what could be a very, very important three points come the end of the season in, in that relegation battle. Because like they say, they're still, they're still 22nd at the minute, but you never know, with a, with a, with a result like that, it could almost spark the season into life. You know what I mean? Beating one of the big boys, you're thinking, you know what, we can, we can compete with anyone in this division. And, and yeah, it's, I think it's a really impressive result and hopefully it gives them sort of 
the momentum to carry on now because if you look at uh, Fylde's uh, form over the last five games, they have uh, three wins and a draw in their last five. So it's almost like the opposite mirroring, mirroring of the Bromley uh, form. So, yeah, I think that's a really interesting result and fair play to Fylde. What do you think, Luke? I think it's one that you could have kind of seen coming. I don't think you'd ever knock back against Bromley when they're second in the league and they're playing against, you know, 22nd in the league. You'd always back Bromley to go in and, and be able to get something from that game. But like you've mentioned, the form there, you look at Fylde at the moment. Um, I've always felt with Fylde there's actually a good team in there when they're on form. I think that they are a side that are capable of surviving and might be in a false position, especially that, Maybe it is a case of just adjusting to the division. And I think now it feels like they've got a bit of a winning formula. Um, you look at the sides that they've defeated. They're not, they're not particularly defeating sides that are the poorer sides in the division. They beat Rochdale, who are in the playoffs at the moment. Hartlepool, who, are, who have been on fairly decent form at the moment, defeated them. They then went and got a point against Halifax. Probably should have gone on to win that. They should have won that game, in my opinion. They, um, beat us, they beat us at home as well. Yeah, they beat you early on in the season. That's sorry, at that place, yeah. Yeah, early on in the season, of course, they defeated you. But And then I think to top it off, you know, defeating Bromley at home, it, it says a lot about the improvements there. You know, they're still unbeaten in the league in 2024. They're the, probably the, alongside Old, and maybe not now, but in Chesterfield, um, they're the most informed side in, in the division in, in the last five games. So for me, Fylde, they're certainly a side that, We'll be full of confidence at the moment. We're starting to see the best of them. The players like Horton and Eustabassi are clearly showing the qualities that they've got um, and are producing more goals now. And you look at Files' upcoming games, Dorking away is a massive game. They win that. Yeah. I think they could actually be out of the drop zone if they win that game. And I think from their perspective, they'll just be hoping that the sides, sides like Working will, will continue to underperform. Although, of course, they picked up a... A very good result, didn't they, against you guys on Saturday? I think a very good result is a persuasive um, <laughs> uh, statement, depending on what side of the fence you sit on. But considering we've we've brought it up a couple of times in the podcast already, I think it's only probably right that we, we jump to Boundary Park. Um, and obviously, I'll take this game. I, I think it, it's one of them. I, I kind of want to talk... Uh, a bit of a deeper discussion around Latics this season in terms of this, I, I could see this game, I could see this result coming even before a ball was kicked on Saturday based off the games we've lost and how we've been at home. What tends to happen with Latics is we'll go and really compete and beat the majority of the top seven that we have to beat to keep in the playoff races and then really, really like take the foot off the gas and, and struggle to match the energy and intensity of the lower half teams that are coming to Boundary Park and, you know, trying trying to give us a game. And I think I think it is something to do with the psychology of it. I think I'm not saying we, we just automatically expect to, like, roll these bottom half of the table things over, but I wonder in my head if, if we come up to Boundary Park and we're playing in front of eight, eight and a half thousand fans and, and some of our players still maybe, I don't think they can they can handle the weight and the expectation of the supporters and playing in front of them big crowds sometimes. Because if you look at our form at home in the division, we're 15th in the in the home table of the National League this season, but we're third in the away table. And I think that that really counts for something. And look, it, it wasn't that much of a detrimental weekend, really. I mean, if you looked at the Oldham hashtag on Saturday, you would think the world was ending because we've got some of the most dramatic cases on Twitter. But... Um, in terms of like bigger picture, it's actually not the end of the world as long as we put it behind us eventually. Um, because I'm only saying that because your Halifaxes, your Rochdales, your Bromleys, your um, Barnets, everyone lost. You know what I mean? So nobody, nobody really lost ground, but nobody really made up ground either. So it, it was kind of one of them that we can maybe get away with as long as we back it up next weekend. And I think we we've got to do that pretty quickly. Um, but I just, I just want your sort of perspective on that, on the sort of, from our perspective especially. Do you think there is something to be said about the sort of psychology of playing at home compared to playing away? Because normally uh, somebody might come on here and say, we struggle away from home, but with our fans backing us, 
we can really perform at home. But for some reason this season, it's been the complete opposite um, for all of them. And I'm kind of at a loss to why that might be. I think there's a certain element of that. But I also, what I have noticed with Oldham, when they are losing games at home, they're often smashing grab games for the opposition. It's mm-hmm. not particularly that you've been outclassed at home. Halifax, when we came to your place, we probably edged it by being the better team, but that's because we were better defensively and, and we took our two chances that, that we had going forward. It wasn't like it were a game where we, we should have gone on to beat you by more. It was a tight game and we took our chances. And I'm guessing that was probably the same with work. And they probably had a one, one chance and, and it's gone in and you probably didn't take your chances. I'll be honest, I don't know whether I can sit here and say, I mean... I, I wish I could sit here and say that because it would make me feel better and it would make the people listening think, oh, yeah, all of them have just had an off day. Maybe it is that. But to be honest, Woking came, they passed the ball better than us, they were quicker than us, they did a job on us and w- won the game. You know what I mean? They, they, were, they, were the, they were the better side and I've got no complaints for that, really. And Maybe we should have seen it coming because the game before that, I know, I know Chesterfield did what they needed to do in the end, but they give Chesterfield a game. You know what I mean? And when anyone gives Chesterfield a game in this division, maybe they stand up, they deserve to be stood up and counted. And maybe we we didn't do that. But just finishing up from an Oldham perspective, and then we can talk about the importance of the win from uh, Woking. I I feel I'm not too worried in terms of our position in the playoffs and, and what it means for the rest of our season, because maybe this is me being a bit borderline confident, borderline arrogant, but... If you look at the top seven, we've beat everyone in the playoffs so far this season, apart from Altrincham, and that's only because we haven't. Um, we we I can't I can't remember what the Altrincham league game was. I know we beat them in the FA Cup, but yeah, we beat everyone that we were supposed to beat in 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 and around the playoff places. So I'm not too worried. But if we if we have like we've got a run now where we're playing maybe uh, Bromley, Bromley's the only start. I'm guessing Bromley they didn't. Um... You, they beat you, didn't they? I think. Yeah, they beat us. Yeah. Um. I, if you look at if you look at the run we've got now, you know we've got like Boreham Wood. We, we've got some teams in that sort of area of the table that you're thinking if we're serious about this fourth place or fifth place, whatever we're going for, we need to start winning these games. And but if it came down to it tomorrow and we were due to go in the playoffs, I'd still back us because I think our record against the top seven is much much stronger than you know the record against the bottom 10 or whatever it might be. But look, like I said, Woking came to Bondi Park, they did a job and that's um, that's um, all we can ask for them, really. But in terms of a Woking perspective, perspective Luke, how, how big of a result do you think that could be in their sort of survival hopes? Well, it's a massive win. Um, you know, going somewhere like Oldham, I know overall Oldham isn't... It's not been a fortress, like you may think, but it's still a deep... It, Overall, you go to Oldham and think that's a tough place to go because it's a it's a place of you know eight eight and a half thousand fans like you've just mentioned. Um, you know they're high up in the league table overall. It does feel like they've turned a corner. Um, disputing that result, they're inside the playoffs now. They're a different team under Mellon. Yes, you've still got to sort that home form. It's clearly an issue there. You can read into it as much as you want that there's there's clearly something there that they haven't figured out how to fix yet and and mm-hmm. adjust there. But it's still a very good result for working and they needed it because they've been out of form. Um, I think they've had one win in, in the past 11 games prior to it that. Was, um, it was one win in 12, I think, before they came to Barnsley. Yeah, one win in 12. I think it might be one win in 11 in, in the league. Um, so going there, I think it, it clearly was a, a difficult place to go and many people probably wouldn't have backed them. But fair play to working for going there and getting the result. You know, It's kept them outside of the drop zone now. Um, they're back you know, above that drop zone. And I think from working's perspective, it, it will be about getting away from, from the drop zone. They don't want to be in this relegation battle like they are at the moment where they're in the thick of it. And I think if you look at the quality overall in that squad, you'd like to think they'd be too good to, to be uh, being, you know, being around this bottom, this, the bottom five in the division. They, they don't want to be aiming to try to stay up this season. They want to be aiming now, I think, at the moment to be, maybe a, a mid-table finish from their perspective. Um, just my final thing on Oldham that I will say, though, maybe it is a case of when sides go to Oldham, they're going to up their game because they're mm. playing in front of more fans um, and they're playing against Oldham Athletic. And 
like you've mentioned, you are one of the big boys in this division. When everyone goes, it's like, oh, all them away. They're going to want to up the game against you guys. And maybe that's something that you struggle to deal with, with, with that pressure yeah. when sides are coming at you at, at 100 mile an hour. I think, yeah, I agree. I agree. But also, I think if you're a side that have got playoff aspirations and, and promotion aspirations, surely you have to get up for your own fans, you know? Yeah. Like that. I'm not saying that's inexcusable because I'm not a psychologist and, you know, a lot of things can happen in football. But it's happened so many times this season at Boundary Park where we we've gone on a good and we were we were on we were on a really, really good run of form. I think that's the most frustrating thing about it. You know, we'd won that was our chance to win five league games on the spin. So but also I guess that's the sort of that's where I'm asking for a bit of realism sometimes from our fan base. Like Yes, it's an awful result, and yes, probably Woking shouldn't rock up to Boundary Park and, and beat us. But and yes, I know we've got problems at home. But if you look at the bigger picture, that's our first defeat in in you know four or five games and four one on the spin. We're still in the in the in the playoff by two points with some games in hand. You know what I mean? It's still very much in our hands, and we just got to kind of brush this brush this sort of um, defeat off us and go to. Uh, Ebsfleet uh, on Saturday and, and hope we can get another result which will be a tricky game and and stuff and I guess because I've just mentioned Ebsfleet we should maybe talk about um, the yeah. events of the Ebsfleet game this weekend and also what happened off the back of that um, so yeah do you want to do you want to take us away? Yeah of course Ebsfleet um, it was a big game for the, for them guys um, at the weekend against Oxford City. Two sides who were in, well, Epsfleet were actually just outside of the drop zone after some pretty impressive form recently um, had managed to climb their way out of the drop zone and working fell into the drop zone. Oxford City, you would like to think from an Epsfleet perspective, it was an opportunity for them to to build on the momentum and, and maybe get a bit of a run going to, to try, kind of drive themselves away from the drop zone. Unfortunately, from their perspective, it wasn't the case. And Oxford City have done their first double of the season over a side um, and have managed to defeat Ebbsfleet twice this season now. That's left Ebbsfleet in 21st place. Overall, it's not been the best of seasons for Ebbsfleet so far. They were certainly a side that I think a lot of people had high expectations for to, to be not in this relegation battle after recent promotion. I think everyone were thinking they were going to be maybe higher mid-table this season, but that's not been the case. And it has, of course, after that result, um, it's led to Dennis Kuchereb, um actually being dismissed of his duties at Ebbsfleet, which leaves Ebbsfleet managerless and will be on the search for a new manager. Now, we've seen that the likes of Kidderminster have decided to change hands with the manager um, and it's worked so far. Kidderminster is certainly improving. They've had They've got three wins on the spin, uh, unbeaten in four as well. Fylde have changed the manager throughout through the season as well. Um, and I think Ebbsfleet have probably looked at those sides and thought, look, if we want to survive this season, sides below us are clearly improving. Now's the time to change it and bring in a new manager that can find a way to get us out of the mess that we're in at the moment. So I think they'll look at Dennis Kuchereb, thank him for what he's done to get him out of the division below. He clearly gave Ebbsfleet an identity but it's certainly not been working this season and now Ebbsfleet will be on the search for a new manager that can hopefully keep them up in this division. What's your take on it? You know what? I'm probably going to probably gonna sit on the other side of the fence a little bit in terms of I, I know I know sometimes needs must but again if we look at the table so the, they're only in the relegation zone on goal difference Um but obviously, uh, Woking have got two games in hand, so that could be massive, you know. But also, I mean, it all, uh, maybe maybe um, Ebbsleep fans can tell us what this in the comments. But what were what were the expectations for Ebbsleep before the season coming into the national league? Because I do just find it a tad bit harsh that you just sacked the manager that has given you a record points total in a title-winning and promotion-winning season uh, the season before. And as soon as you, you, you're you in a little bit of a, a dog a dog battle, a little bit of a relegation scrap, where, again, I'm, I'm probably going to 
offend some absolute fans here when I say this, so please correct me if I'm misinformed. But I would imagine most of most of their fans would have took maybe well not took, but would have maybe expected a season of them fighting relegation and maybe maybe be in that relegation battle. So I don't really know what were they are sort of expecting to be because I, I think we touched on it last season. I think you see in this season that um there's a like even with Oxford and, and things like that, there's a gulf in between the the National League North and South divisions and the National League Premier divisions. You know, just just because you ace it up in the National League South doesn't mean you can do it in the National League Premier. And I think I think this is the, the case of that. And I think uh, if you're Danny Scooter, but I think you're probably look, looking at that and thinking, you know what, I I, I I give the the club some of the best, well one of the better seasons in recent. History is that not a little bit unfair? That is just my opinion, and I'm sure I'll I'll be made to swallow that opinion live on BT next Saturday because um, we we also have a there's a big thing, isn't there, for a manager bounce? And whenever Latics play a team that's not got a manager, they always come and do the job. So congratulations to Ebsley on your customary three points and making me uh, eat my words here. But I just think, I do think it's a little bit harsh. But maybe if they've got ambitions of kind of steering themselves away from the relegation battle. I guess you, you can understand it, can't you? I think they'll just be wanting that new manager bounce now. Um, it, I think overall it, it's not worked. Um, two wins doesn't mean that they should have kept him in. And it, that these last two wins against Maidenhead and Wheelstone, I don't think mean that, oh yeah, he deserves a job. I think they've done it at the right time now when they've got a chance to, 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 to survive this season. Um, and bring in a new manager, maybe, because that's my opinion. You look at Kidderminster, Kidderminster were on a horrendous run, similar to Ebsfleet in a way, might get the odd win here and there, but were clear of being in the drop zone. And I think everyone predicted them to finish bottom um, halfway through the season. They've brought in a new manager, and the impact it's had on them is just phenomenal so far. They scored four goals after being 2-0 down. They hadn't done that all season. That just shows the impact Phil Brown had mm. there. They went and went to Hartlepool, defeated Hartlepool, then defeated um, Dagenham, you know, and that's what they need. And I think Ebsfleet will be be wanting that. I get there's a certain part where you've got to trust in the manager that's got you into this division and give him that chance to to help the club survive this season. But I think you've also got to think for, for the fans and, and the actual club's future in a way and be brutal and make that difficult decision and, and bring in a manager that has experience at this level, like Kidderminster have done with Phil Brown, who is intention simply to, to help Ebsfleet survive. Start the season, those in, those intentions might have gone out of the window now where they were hoping to achieve a, a mid-table finish or maybe even have a higher ambitions. Now it's simply got to be about surviving in yeah. the National League this season. And yeah. I think, in my opinion, I think they've made the right decision and, and they've done it at a good time as well. I guess the question is now, before we move on, is who next? That's the question, isn't it? That's what's going to be on absolute uh, fan ma- minds and stuff. And you're the you're the National yeah. League aficionado. So, have you got any names? I mean, I've probably got one name that I believe still out of work, but I don't know whether he dropped to, to, to that sort of level. Of the, obviously, I know he's in this division, but I mean, in in terms of a relegation, it's the one that came come to my head as well, um, Daryl Sal. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We both, yeah. Um, I think you mean well, by him going to that level in a way. If if they can get um Sal, then obviously that's probably the best choice on the market. But I just think maybe he, and I don't want to disrespect Ebsfleet when I'm saying this, but I think he can make. No, in fact, in fact, I'm gonna. I'm, no, in fact, I'm gonna say what I was gonna say. Be brave, Aaron. Mm-hmm. I think maybe he's a better manager than being in, involved in a relegation scrap, is what I'm trying to say. Do you know what I mean? Um, I I kind of understand that. I, the, I personally think the reason it makes sense for me for him to go there is it's not too far from working where he'll probably be based. Um, and I think it's an easy one there. The problem you might have is, one, at Woking, he would have been on quite a lot of money compared to what he'd be on at Ebsfleet because Woking have got a lot more financial resources than what Ebsfleet have got. Um, but also, Dal McSall has clearly been sacked by Woking um, and he's left Woking in a position where they're near the bottom of the drop zone. 
does Dal, uh, does um, Sal want to go to a side that's competing against working in a relegation battle and potentially leave working going down and, and, and potentially yeah. surviving? This that's the question you might think. Does he have that respect for working where he wants to leave him alone, or does he have that respect where? Or does he have the other intention of, I'm going to prove you wrong, I'm going to keep Epsley up and relegate you and make you regret your decision of dismissing me? For me, I personally don't think he'll go there. I think what he's done in the past at working has proven enough for him to not really go to a club like that because they clearly don't have much money, Epsley. They don't have much funds to bring in more players. They're assigned low on confidence. He's going there and and it's going to be a, a very difficult job. The perfect manager for me and the type of characteristics I'd be looking at if I was wanting to appoint the next manager would be an experienced manager that's been here and done it at the National League level. Maybe not the biggest name, maybe not the, the fancy manager like you know, like, like someone higher up. But what Kidderman's the one with Phil David Unsworth. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> but, um, what I mean, and it doesn't have to be a big name. It needs to be someone that's just done it at this level, like Phil Brown has done it. He knows what this division's about. He's got experience, and and I think that's what Epsley need to do and try find a manager like that. Um, a bit like Big Sam in, in in the Premier League when he went in and did quite well at, at West Brom and and other sides like that. If that if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now I think we're gonna we're gonna take a trip over to where did I want to go next? I think next we'll go. In fact, when we come back from the break, we'll go to your boys and you can talk about uh, his performances this weekend. But before then, we're just going to take a quick break um, to listen to our wonderful sponsors this week. So we'll be back with you in about a minute's time. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Nice. Um, so we're back. We're back. And thank you um, so much for our wonderful sponsors for supporting and promoting this wonderful podcast week in, week out. We wouldn't be able to do what we do without you, so we appreciate you. Now, back to the action and back to the football. Now, Luke, I'm going to rest my voice a little bit and I will let you take away your opinions on... Halifax's game this weekend and, and where you sort of see that leaving you and how you're feeling off the back of that? Well, it's not the best result. Um, making that journey down isn't nice to come away with no points, especially when you're commentating next to a Wheelstone fan. I was in the commentary box with, with a Wheelstone fan who was happy as Larry after that result. But Maybe I think you need to give Wheelstone credit and give them the respect. Maybe you go there thinking, look, it's Wheelstone. We've got to win it there. But Wheelstone had only lost once at home all season. Um, they want the, the players would clearly want to be impressing the new manager who was watching it in the stands. Um, and they certainly did that, Wheelstone. It was a professional performance from Wheelstone. Um, Halifax, I just don't think, had a had a plan when they went there. I think when they went 1-0 down, they looked shell-shocked. They didn't know what to do. And Wheelstone just defended well and made it hard for Halifax to break them down. There were no way forward for Halifax. And, yeah, it wasn't the best of performances from Halifax. But I think what we need now is a home game to get back to the share because it's not been the best start to 2024. We're sitting in 10th, but we're still only three points outside of the playoffs. Um, 
And I think maybe we need to forget about that game now. But from Wheelstone's perspective, very positive signs there, especially after a lot of upheaval there in the last week or so with the manager departing. It seems like there's a bit of sunlight at the a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, I think, for them now. Yeah, it's interesting because obviously I've seen um so obviously what Wildstone's um scored pretty early on, didn't they? And then they got the they got the second um in added time. So was it was it a bit of you talked about the teams going to Boundary Park and smashing and grabbing? Did you feel like as a as a Halifax supporter, it was a bit of a smash and grab? Like were Halifax pushing for that equaliser and then they just got caught out on the break and then they got the second? Was that the sort of feeling that you got from the game? Halifax were pushing for the equaliser and Wheelstone caught us out, but it was a fair result because. Basically, we started the game, we had a horrendous start, we went 1-0 down, Wheelstone probably could have gone and scored a second or maybe a third, they missed some massive, massive chances and probably should have put the game to bed before half-time. We had one or two chances, but nothing particularly threatening the goalkeeper. And in the second half, they were just very solid defensively and, and we had no, we couldn't break them down. The only way we could shoot from outside the box, um, so it was always going to be an uphill battle and, and fair play to Wheelstone, they were good defensively and course, as the game went on, we were, we were pushing more men forward, which meant Wheelstone could catch us out on the break, like we saw at the end. And I think overall, it, it was a fair result, two 0 To be fair, in, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, from from a Wildstone point of view, um, you know, obviously losing losing the manager to uh, Notts County, and then pulling this sort of performance off, it it kind of shows that. They might have, you know, built uh, an understanding with the players and and a style of play that that might see them be okay. And and do you think what do you think the sort of end of season goals are going to be for Wildstone now in terms of obviously new manager in in Noble in and um, do you think that they're another one a bit like Hartlepool that could potentially sneak into the playoff places or do you think that might just be a, a bit too much for them this season and and securing mid table is a more likely outcome. I didn't see enough from Wheelstone with the quality for them to me to give me the assumption that they, they have the capabilities to be involved in a in a playoff battle. To be honest, I don't have quite got the quality. They you know they were well organised. They were hard to break down, but I think their away form speaks for them for itself. Yes, they're very good at home. Away from home, sides know how to play against them. Um, and I think now what it's got to be, I think it's got to be the same intention, well, the same ambition as it was at the start of the season, which is surviving this season. And I still think that has to be the ambition. Maybe you'd say that's a bit of a, a boring and low ambition and, and lax ambition, you might say there, because they're 13th at the moment and they can actually go above the likes of Rochdale, the likes of Halifax, Hartlepool, when they've played the games in hand. Um, but I just don't think there's enough quality in my opinion in that Wheelstone side to give me the impression that they're gonna have the capabilities to to take over and, and be involved in, in that um you know playoff race. And I think with the recent events that's happened there, I think the ambition's just got to be to to comfortably sit mid table for me. And I think yeah, they should do that because like we said, all it can take is for them to go on a bad run and they could be involved in a relegation battle. It is that tight at the moment the division. So I think Safety's got to be the the initial ambition, in, in my opinion, which might be a bit low, but that's absolutely, what I, think. I think I think that's a sensible thing, definitely, Luke. And you know what, Luke, I'm gonna spice it up a little bit, and I'm gonna put the power in your hands. I'm gonna give you three games, and you can decide where we go to next. Oh. So we can we can either take a trip to Gateshead to talk about their big result. We can either take a trip to Altrincham to talk about their dazzling result, or we can take it a trip to uh, Aldershot and talk about their uh, big win over Rochdale. Where would you like to go first? So we're going to talk about all three. So probably a place to start. Let's start things off with Gateshead v Barnet, I think, because that was a bit of a shock, maybe you would say, after Gateshead. Like, it's been quite negative, hasn't it, on them in, in the last couple of weeks, but it's a good win for them, of course, coming from behind to defeat Barnet by two goals to one. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the, the thing is, though, with, with Barney, they've got like spells like this um, in them. You know what I mean? We've seen it multiple times this season already. Like, So I, I remember, again, I'm not just going back to Oldham for the sake of 
uh, Oldham, but it kind of fits in. So when we beat when we beat Barnet four one on TV earlier in the season, if I'm right in thinking, they lost the game after that as well after that home game, and then obviously we beat them on the Tuesday night at home two nil, um, and then they've gone and lost the, the the game straight after it again. And I just think when Barnet lose, they're guaranteed to lose a couple by the looks of it. You know, it's never kind of like one and done. Get it out of your system. They'll go on a little bit of a mini slide and and. I'm not really surprised. I mean, I am. I am surprised in terms of you know we talked multiple times in the last couple of weeks on Gateshead and the sort of dissection of the squad through like loans and injuries and stuff. So maybe you can sort of call it a bit of a surprise for that. But in terms of the style of play and and like where Gateshead wants to be, I don't think it's as big a surprise as people will think because he still plays some very good football. And you know maybe it's the time to catch Barnet when they're when they're on a bit of a and I will say a temporary slide because Barnet have got quality, they've got class, and and they will still be up and around there. But I think it's it is an interesting point that that when Barnet seem to lose, they seem to lose a couple on a spin and then get back to it. Both Bromley and Barnet are on on a two bad runs at the moment, aren't they? You see, it's second and third, and I think we both thought the top three might be sorted now, and it's between Barnet and Bromley for second. Maybe now. Things have changed, and, and sounds like Ultranum and Solula, and maybe even yourselves will be thinking maybe we can get into the top three now um, and have that ambition come the end of the season. But in the exactly same situation, Ban is what they were when they went on that initial bad run earlier on in the season before Christmas. They'd just lost two games on the bounce. They then had to play their local rivals, Wheelstone, coming up, which is, which is of course, on Saturday. Um, and of course, that's going to be a, a good game um, coming up. And I, I think Barnett will be going into that thinking we, we need to get back to winning ways because losing away to Gateshead after losing to Oldham away, for those travelling fans, I have to feel bad because you've gone all the way up to Oldham, then to go all the way up to Newcastle. That's a lot of travelling. And I mm-hmm. know a handful of fans who've done both games. So for me, um, I think Barnett will be hoping to get back to winning ways. But from a Gateshead perspective, good winning. Maybe their fans can still dream about a, a, a playoff, a playoff spot come the end of the season. Although, in my opinion, I, I still don't think it'll be good enough. But well, I think it'll, I think it'll be a tough ask. But I do think with the with the style of sort of attractive football um, um, that that Gateshead playing, you can never really count them out it's and stuff. In but... their hand. It's in their hands now. They've got a game in hand on Aldershot and Oldham. If they win, they'll go above them. So exactly, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. So. I think again, where we banged this drum since the start of the season, but you you're really starting to see why we say on this podcast that the National League is one of the most exciting entertainment entertaining leagues in the country because you know anyone can beat anyone and anyone can be in the playoff mix and anyone can really be in the relegation mix week to week and that's what we're seeing now. You know, we're seeing maybe a cluster of like eight or nine teams that are, you think you thinking are in there with an absolute real sniff of Wembley and you know and, and like it's going to be an interesting um, sort of two to three months to finish the season definitely um, yep. but I I think then from here we should go to um, uh, Altringham's magical performance against Eastley and uh, we talk about teams playing good football now I, I've put I've put Gateshead in that bracket, and I think it would only be fair for me to put Altrincham in that bracket as well. When Altrincham are firing, they'll pass anybody off the pitch. You know what I mean? Like look at look. I mean, I know it's going back a little bit, but just to emphasise my point, I think they scored probably one of the best team goals of the season against Chesterfield. Do you know what I mean? That well, they've got the capability to play really really good stuff, and what well, they turned up on Saturday and put on a show for the fans. It looks like, doesn't it, Luke? Yeah, um, I think from Altrincham, you know, they're up to fourth now. They're certainly having, a, they're probably the best season they've had in a very long time. Sitting fourth in the National League, it has to be one of the most successful positions in the club's history. I know in the past they have actually won this division and due to um, old-fashioned rules, they haven't had that chance in the Football League um, because of, you know, voting being a thing back. But now there's an opportunity, maybe you would say, for Altrincham to get to the Football League this season and the way that on their day, like you've said, they can give anyone a game. They give Chesterfield a game home and away. And for me, 
I don't think it'd be out of the question to see Altrinham in the football league, and it'd mean a lot to Altrinham. Um, mm-hmm. They're a club that are doing a lot off the field. The crowds are clearly increasing significantly compared to what they used to get. They used to struggle to get a thousand in. Now they're getting three thousand in. There's clearly been a, a boom around the town there, and you've gone from seeing Man United shirts to actual Altrinham shirts around the town, and, and it's good to see a side like Altrinham. Be a be a football town and actually care about its local football club. Um, maybe from Eastleigh's perspective, you look at this game and it's they're clearly on a bad run themselves. They haven't actually won a game since um, the twenty third of December, which in which feels like a long time ago now. You know they've lost to Dagenham, drawn to Dagenham, been knocked out of the FA Cup. It's not been a pleasant time there at Eastleigh no. at the moment, especially if they have ambitions to be in the playoffs come the end of the season and. It's not going it, to get any easier with having Chesterfield at home and then Gates at away coming up. I think they do need to start getting wins on the board if they it, want to. It's what it's one of them as well, isn't it? We say the equal importance of putting a one, running uh, running in, putting a winning run yeah. in, in place if you're going to get the playoff places and going to get promoted. But it's also equally important not to go on a losing run or not to go on a barren spell. And I think that's hitting easily now, you know. Um, and yeah, I think I mean never say never, but if you look at the table now, Eastley are so they are the six points off the off the playoff pace at the minute, and they, they they've uh they've not got a game in hand over Aldershot either, which will will probably pay dividends. So I don't know whether the 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 slide is is beginning to show with Eastley and and whether it'll be a little too little too late for them to maintain a bit of a charge. But look, this is a national league; we can never count anyone out until it's. Over. Um, so to sort of finish that little cluster of teams sort of trying to break into the playoff places, do we want to go to Aldershot and talk about the probably on paper last last week and uh, last podcast we talked about this game potentially being one to keep an eye on in terms of it was two teams in and around the playoff chasing pack and in uh, Aldershot and Rochdale. So do you want to do you want to talk to us about events uh, in that game? Yeah, massive win for Aldershot. That was, of course, Rochdale were inside the playoffs um, prior to the match. Um, I believe they have slipped out now and Aldershot have overtook them. And it, and it was a massive match going into this game. And Aldershot are clearly very good at home. And it's not been an easy ride for them so far. They're, they're another side prior to that game. I don't think had only won once in, in 2024 after being knocked out of the FA Trophy and the FA Cup to then lose to Kidderminster, who were a side, you know, low down, who were in the drop zone. It's not been easy for them recently, but I think for them to be back at uh, the EBB Stadium now, um, I think they needed to get that win, and, and it's a big win against a, a fellow playoff rival, and I think, yeah, that should hopefully give them some some momentum to kick off, kick on now. Of course, they've got Wheelstone coming up away, which won't be easy, and then Halifax away, which will also be a massive game too. So for me, Aldershot, yeah, a very good win for them, clearly showing that they still mean business. They're not going to fall off like a few sides have threatened to do this season. Um, so, yeah, fair play to Aldershot, but from a Rochdale perspective, maybe an opportunity gone there when they could have maybe had a four-point gap over uh, Rochdale yeah. over Aldershot if they'd have won that game and be comfortably inside the playoffs. Instead, they're now back down to ninth where they were a couple of weeks ago. In terms of Rochdale as well, I my, my uncle supports Rochdale and he went to, he went to the game on Saturday and he he was saying that kind of they just didn't turn up. You know, they they, they just I think he said he doesn't know whether it's a fact of like them having to play the same sort of squad of. 14, 15 players every week. That's kind of finally telling its toll, or whether it was just an off game. But yeah, he said that they just didn't turn off it. And um, obviously, Aldershot really deserved the victory. But now, I think my worry is if, if you're looking at Rochdale and asking if they can get, get in and around it, and look, we've given Jim McNulty and his men lots and lots of praise on this podcast. And, you know, I certainly wouldn't count them out at this point, but they've got a bit of a difficult run of. of um, Fixtures going into February, they've got, you know, Dagenham and Redbridge at home. Well, you might think that they might be able to get a win and get themselves back in it, but then they've got Altrincham away, Solihull at home, you know, um, Chesterfield away, Worldstone at home. It's it's not it's not a, an easy February, really, is it, that? And I think, well, I, I went on a Rochdale podcast last week, the All Day, uh, All Day Are We podcast, and I said, 
from a journalistic point of view and from a non sort of bitter old and like fan point of view taking that hat off i think a proper positive season in my my opinion would be a top 10 top 12 finish for rochdale and maybe some investment secured in the postseason i think you have to take that as a positive season now if they get the playoff places i think it will be an outstanding achievement for Jim McNulty and his men, but I just think they might be a little bit too weak without the investment and without the transfers coming in. But you never know, do you? I mean, we've, we've sat here and said multiple times that Rochdale are probably going to fall off now and then. The, the week after we've come back, they've won a game that they're not expected to win and you're like, wow, the, the fight and the courage in this Rochdale side is like nothing I've seen before. So I don't want to count them out altogether, but I think their task is getting increasingly, increasingly difficult week upon week. Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, so yeah, um, I'm just thinking now. So the if I'm right in thinking, let me just make sure I've done my maths. Chesterfield South End. Yeah, so I think we've got Chesterfield left, and we've got uh, Dorking Bow and Wood, and then Dorking Bow and Wood and the Maiden. Solihull Head game. Yeah, now want to link kind of the Maidenhead, Solihull and Bournemouth Dorking one together, maybe. It might be a good idea, maybe. we could. Yeah, Yeah, let's do that then. Let's do that. And and I think we should definitely probably start at Maidenhead. Um, yes. Because, again, looking at probably results that you, you wouldn't really expect to happen, I, I would probably put that up there, even though Solihull haven't really been convincing now, um, or, or too convincing for a while. Uh, like they're still in pretty decent good. This they were still in good form coming into that game. You know, three wins in the last five for, for Solihull. But um, in terms of the game, Luke, and in terms of where Maidenhead were, what are your thoughts and feelings on on the game and how that transpired? Well, it's um, a league double for Maidenhead over Solihull. Um, they're clearly a side Maidenhead that like to destroy, like to defeat the, the bigger teams, I should say, in the division. And they've done it again. I, I remember a few years they did the deal, the double over us when we were in a similar position to Solihull. And, and they've certainly done that on Solihull. And it's funny to see they've beaten them, uh, Solihull by two goals to one both times. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one, that. Um, but Maiden, like I said, they are a side that are capable of beating the better side in the division. And this is why overall I think they'll survive is because they can pick results out against the better sides. But from, from a Solihull perspective, um, you know, you've allowed Ultram to overtake you now. And maybe when you look at sides like Barnet and Bromley losing, you might have felt like this is an opportunity missed to close that gap and maybe get into yes. the top three this season. And um, So, yeah, not not the best from Solihull, but a very good win for Maidenhead. And I think the aim for them is, like Wheelstone, is to survive this season. And I think it brings them even closer to safety now. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and I don't think it'd be a it'd be a national league podcast if we didn't unfortunately talk about probably one of the best, if not the best, national league team to ever exist, and that pains me to say, considering we were supposed to be up and around there with them this season in Chesterfield, um, they just keep they just keep making the league a bit of a joke, really, don't they? It's, it's their own playground at this point, isn't it, Luke? I mean. What we're running out, we're running out of positives to say about Chesterfield. Mm. What is left to say? I mean, they, they've gone into a game there that many people are thinking, you know, could be it's different. A banana skin, isn't it? Could be a bit of a banana skin with South End being the way they are coming out of the the, the embargo signing plays. You're thinking, are South End going to show that they're up and around, going to be up and around it and be ready for the fight? But the, Chesterfield just blew them over, really, and and it's now a 16 point gap, isn't it? And I think. Am I right in thinking they've still got games in hand as well, which is a frightening yeah, thing? Yeah, two games in hand on second place, Um, So, yeah, obviously running out of super, superlatives for Chesterfield. But, yeah, I think the obviously we should we should mention them and, and mention their incredible well, run this season, definitely. It's hard, to, it's hard to talk about them without repeating yourself because there's not much more you can say. Like you've mentioned, they're clearly too good for this division. They're going to get promoted. They're going to win the league. It's like a League One side playing in the National League side. They're just a lot better than, than everyone else in the division. And it shows, again, like I said, South End, it could have been a potential banana skin. South End, of course, defeated them at their place. Um, but Chesterfield are just playing teams off the park. And another example there, defeating South End, there's, there's not much more I think we can really say on it, to be honest. 
No, just from an Oldham fan, um, goodbye and good riddance to Chesterfield. And if, Matt Rejordan, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, if we don't see you this season, which I'm hoping we will, we'll definitely see you next season. So yeah. enjoy your time in, in League Two, boys, uh, because we'll be coming for you eventually. Um, (laughs) so I think to finish off now we should talk about uh, Mr Mark White's Wanderers and their big win over fellow what what should we say should we call them both strugglers this season is that fair or should we say fellow mid-table team I think that's probably about fairer uh, Boreham Wood Um, now Obviously, the big factor in this game was the fact that Boreham Wood had to play the the full second half with 10 men. But also, take nothing away from Dorking here because they were 2-0 up by the time of the dismissal. So, would it have made a difference? It's hard to tell. But in terms of a Dorking uh, persuasion, Luke, uh, how impressed are you with this result? Um, yeah, I think very impressed. I think you look at Dorkin and, you know, you've spoke, haven't you, about them being a side that maybe would be a contender to, to potentially go down this season. And there's been a lot of questions, hasn't there, about that, you know, them going down um, and not being good enough for this division with the injuries that they've had. Um, but they've pulled it out of the bag in the last three games. You know, two wins now, a win over Gateshead and a, and a win over Ball and Wood. And I think going somewhere like Bournemouth and scoring three goals says a lot when they are overall well-known to be I think, fairly good defensively, although they haven't been the best this season, Bournemouth. And I think it's safe to say if they keep this up and keep getting results like this when they're pulling them out of the bag, Dawkins should be fine this season. And you look at the games coming up now, there's a lot less pressure on that Fylde game coming up where maybe if they'd have lost to Bournemouth, of course, Fylde won, you'd be thinking now that's a massive game where now these particularly too much pressure because they've kind of climbed their way away from the drop zone for the time being. Absolutely. And then just from a Boreham Wood perspective, in, in terms of, yeah, like we, we talked about this season on this podcast about them, you know, not being where they probably expected to be, but then talked about them having the same squad for a number of seasons and whether that's sort of catching up with them. In, in terms of a result for them, how do you perceive this? Sorry, what do you say? Sorry, yeah. Um, just on on the Boreham Wood front, in terms of in previous podcasts, we've talked about probably them well massively underachieving this season in terms of where they they've been in previous seasons, but also talking about the fact that they don't turn over a lot of players and they've kept the same squad together for you know a number of seasons. Are we starting to see probably the drawbacks of that? And do you think maybe in in the summer it is time to try and inject some some like a new blood into that team to try and go again and get them where they want to be. Yeah, I personally they just need a fresh start. Um the squad's aging now, it's worked for the last couple of seasons. Gerard's got his players, he's trusting them and I think it's got to the point now where it's a bit stalemate. Nothing seems to be happening there and other sides are getting better and I think they're getting weaker with players aging. So for me Personally, I think they need a fresh start and that includes the manager. I think he's done a good job. He deserves a move in the Football League and I think he he should get that in the summer um, and and give Bournemouth a bit of a new project there because it's been a long project this and, and they've done well, but I think now it's time for something a little bit different, in my opinion. Absolutely, and I think that's probably the right time to end this podcast and it's been really nice to be back with a full um, schedule not affected by the weather this week. And I've really enjoyed uh, bringing the games to you, and I'm sure Luke has too. So on behalf of us, thank you for listening to us. Thank you for putting up with my uh, Mancunian tones. And don't forget to rate the podcast wherever you listen to the podcast. Give us five stars on Apple. And I've been Aaron. I've been Luke. Thank you for having me on once again. And we'll be back next week. See ya. See ya. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.